Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Saints quarterback Drew Brees had surgery on a torn ligament in his right thumb. He's going to miss at least six weeks, which means he won't play against the Bucs when they visit New Orleans just about three weeks from now. With Cam Newton having lost eight games in a row and the Falcons 1-1 one one still not back to their Super Bowl form, is there a seismic shift that could be happening in the NFC South? And are the Bucks in a good position to take advantage of that? Speaking of quarterback injuries, Ben Roethlisberger is also out for the season with a torn ligament in his elbow. He may need Tommy John's surgery. Mason Rudolph will take over there. And the Steelers already 0-2. And the Tampa Bay Lightning. Remember those guys? Well, they opened the preseason tonight against Carolina Emily Arena. What can they learn from their historic season a year ago that ended miserably when they were swept by Columbus in the NHL playoffs? And what additions may put the Bolts over the top? We've got Diana Neros, who covers the Lightning for the Tampa Bay Times. She'll get you ready for hockey season on this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, along with producer Steve Versnick. And Steve, man, I watched this game, of course, between the Rams and the Saints. I saw Drew Brees get hurt. It looked really bad that he couldn't even attempt to pick up a football on the sidelines. And, of course, the Saints' biggest fears, one of them anyway, was probably realized that he has a torn ligament in his thumb, required surgery, out for a minimum of six weeks. That means when the Bucks play in New Orleans about three weeks from now, he will not be under center. Man, you take that and we can talk about Cam Newton, the situation he's in in Atlanta, but all of a sudden, and you know, you can't get ahead of yourselves. The Bucks have to play the Giants on Sunday. We'll talk about that game. But this could could begin to represent, which is kind of a a shift in the NFC South, and certainly an opportunity anyway, one we don't know if they'll take advantage of, but an opportunity for the Bucks to suddenly gain some ground on some of these teams that have always been on top of them in this division. Yeah, I mean, this has always been a quarterback-heavy division. I mean, Drew Brees, mm-hmm. we know his credentials. Matt Ryan's been to a Super Bowl. Cam Newton's been to a Super Bowl. You know, this is a tough division for quarterbacks. And, you know, Jameis Winston, while his stats have been pretty good and, and he's improved every year, he's the fourth out of four quarterbacks in this division when everyone's healthy and at the top of their game. Uh, Cam Newton absolutely. did not look mm-hmm. right on Thursday night. And, and I, no. you know, I, you can't no. tell me, convince me he's healthy. Drew Brees is now out for six weeks. So now you're, you know, mm-hmm. talking an injured Cam Newton, you're talking Teddy Bridgewater. Now all of a sudden Jameis yeah. Winston's the second best quarterback in the division. You know, that definitely yeah, is a I window. Mean, yeah, it sure is. I mean, you could argue Matt Ryan, you know, might, might still be because he's, he's upright first and foremost, but he might still be the, the best quarterback. Um, if you remove those other two, but I mean, even Matt Ryan, you know, is 8-10 and 10 in his last 18 games, mm-hmm. I think, headed into uh, the game Sunday night. So, you know, the Falcons look look a little wobbly themselves. I mean, they managed to come back and beat the Eagles. I thought the Eagles had a bunch of opportunities in Sunday night's game to uh, to put them away. But they are 1-1 one and one and tied atop the division with, uh, of course, the Bucks and the Saints. But this is always, you know, this was inevitable. Not that, not that these guys were going to get hurt in this manner, um, but it was inevitable 
that, you know, Drew Brees is 40 years old. He's not going to play forever. He's a guy that, you know, wasn't supposed to ever play again after the shoulder injury he had in San Diego. And, you know, he's put together a Hall of Fame career. But I always say this, that, like, you know, football players and certainly quarterbacks specifically don't get healthier as they get older. Father time gets everybody. And they don't generally get more productive um, with that with that age as well. Now, you know, Cam Newton's 30 years old, but what is his football age, right? This is a guy that ran the ball a lot, took an awful lot of hits. He's had, I think, multiple surgeries on his shoulder. Something looks a little off. Certainly he's not accurate with the football, and he's he's turning down runs at this point. That used to be the biggest part of his game was his ability to scramble. They used to, they used to run power plays for him, um, you know, from the backfield almost as a running back. They don't do any of that anymore. There's some real questions in Carolina. People are are, dis, are you know asking whether he's through, whether they should move on from Cam Newton. He, like I said, he's you know lost his eight last eight games as well, and you know so you look at those two situations, and I'm not saying that you know the Bucks uh, are going to the Super Bowl or that you know they're even going to win the division necessarily. They're sitting here one and one, and let's be honest, they're one yard or maybe less than a yard away from Christian McCaffrey extending that ball, and they're probably going to lose that game at Carolina. So, you know, that didn't happen. They made the play. They got the win on the road, something they hadn't done in a very long time, something Jameis hadn't done in his last 14 games that he's played in on the road. Uh, Going back to 2016, the last road win in San Diego, who hasn't had a team for about two or three years. So, you know, these are all uh, good things to remember about the Bucs. But even with this – you know, tremendous road swing coming up seven weeks without playing a game in Tampa Bay after Sunday's game against the Giants. This is a real opportunity because Jameis now at 25 has experienced a lot as a quarterback, has, you know, matured a lot at the position. Now he has a new offense and he didn't look good at all, to say the very least, in the opener and the loss to the San Francisco 49ers, who, oh, by the way, blasted Cincinnati and may not be as bad as everyone anticipated they were. Um, but he did come back and play pretty, pretty well. Could have had a really big day with a couple of catches if some guys had held on in the end zone like Brashard Perriman and even Mike Evans. Uh, but, but he's coming into his own. He's coming into that age, that prime age of a quarterback, right, 25 to 30 years old um, that we've seen in this league. And even, even beyond 30, we've seen a lot of quarterbacks. Of course, the GOAT is now, what, 42 in New England and Tom Brady. Uh, so, so Jameis was always going to run these guys down as father time started to creep in, but it's happening a lot sooner maybe this year than we've seen. I mean, Drew Brees not being part of that Saints offense is different, right? Teddy Bridgewater can play. I thought he looked rough coming in, but you have to remember he had no reps, zero reps at all going into that game against the Rams. Hadn't played much football really in the last two, three years as a backup with the Saints. Now he's going to get the game plan. He's going to take all the reps in practice. You'll see that you'll see his play pick up as he does that. But let's be honest, they're not the same team without Drew Brees. I mean, that's the the magic that he works with Sean Payton that has been really, you know, sort of the secret sauce in New Orleans. And so you remove that for about six weeks. Who knows what their record is by the time he comes back? You know the Bucks are going to get to play in New Orleans without Drew Brees, which can't be a negative for them. Um, and in Carolina, look, we'll see. They got a division win on the road already at Carolina. The next time they play them will be – uh, in England, uh, and it won't be that many weeks from now. It'll be in October, so you know they'll get a chance to see them again. I think this thing could be tightening up. I think it could be working out for the Bucks. I just don't know that with the schedule the way it is, if this is the year 
but it's inevitable to me that that they that there were going to be you know some some things happened to some of these guys as they got up there in age. And look, there's a freak things with, with Drew Brees. It's not as if, you know, it's not of his, his, his being 40 years old, you know, tore his ligament necessarily because he took a hit on the hand. Um, but, but these things happen. And I don't know. I, I'm, if I'm a Buccaneer fan, I'm feeling pretty good about what I'm seeing. And I'm feeling, I'm suddenly feeling pretty good about this division because look, you're probably going to have to win it, Steve. They're not going to get a wild card out of the NFC South this year. I just don't believe that. Yeah, I think, you know, yeah, I, I agree that I don't think it's going to come out of the NFC South as far as the wild card. So, but the, the window's there. I mean, and that's, mm-hmm. look, look, that's all it takes in the NFL is an injury here, yep. an injury there, and all of a sudden windows open, and the good teams take advantage of those. And sure they do. teams that are that are well-prepared and, and well-coached can take advantage of those opportunities, and, and the Bucks have a prime opportunity now. I mean, you're tied for first. You're one and one. Mm-hmm. You're going up against the Giants this week, who's not a very good team. That's right. You know, you 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 expect or hope that you're going to be out, coming out of there two and one, and then you mm-hmm. go on your five game road trip. Although technically London's a home game, but sure. but you're going to face New Orleans in there, who does not have Drew Brees now. That's right. So that becomes a you know, and you grant you won in New Orleans last year with Ryan Fitzpatrick, but it becomes mm-hmm. a game now. You go, we got a better shot than we did before. You've already yeah. beaten Cam Newton mm-hmm. uh, in Carolina. Now you're going to see him again in a couple of weeks in, in England, which suddenly looks like a game you could also win. I mean, just think that after that New Orleans game, you could be 2-0 and in the division, both with road wins. That'd be something. Those you know, those almost count double in some respects. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, it does. So, you know, this is, you know, you don't root for injuries or hope for injuries, but this is nope. good news for the Bucs. Yeah, and I mean, look, when Jameis Winston went down and had to miss three weeks or played, you know, three weeks with a bad shoulder two years ago, nobody felt sorry for him, and that's that is the league. You know, there there is a a part of this sport that is something that I've always had a tough time wrapping my brain around, um, because most guys in the NFL, you know, get their opportunity because the guy in front of them got injured for predominantly. It might be because he didn't play well, but it's. It's generally as a result of injury. That's how you get your chance in this league. It's what John Gruden so, said at the beginning of training camp on hard knocks. Yeah, yeah. You know, you be somebody's nightmare. Take somebody's job. That's right. Yeah, take somebody's heart out, man. You're starting to get this NFL. You're starting to get what it means. Yeah, I do. I do get it. And, and it's brutal. And it can. it's any given play. It's any given practice, right? Um, your career could be altered, you know, forever uh, if not ended. And so – you know, certainly Drew Brees thought his career was over. He was hurt in San Diego with his shoulder and wound up in, in New Orleans with Sean Payton, won a Super Bowl, and, and now he's going to put on a gold jacket one day. Um, but he's not going to be there in three weeks, and that's a huge thing for the Bucks. So if they can navigate, you know, this this road odyssey, they still have to go to the Rams, which won't be easy, come home and play New Orleans, then go to London and play Carolina, then come home and play Tennessee, and then all the way to Seattle, which, oh, by the way, Suddenly, the NFC West looks like the best division in football. They have not one, not two, but three teams now that are 2-0 and to start the season. Of course, we know about the San Francisco 49ers who went up and beat the Bengals on Sunday, and then you have the Rams uh, at 2-0, and and also Seattle suddenly looks really effective with Russell Wilson at 2-0, and and that's where the Bucks have to go in a few weeks is, is into Seattle, which is a tough place to play and win, but... Um, you know, as long as you can kind of hang in there and maybe get on top of some of those other teams, there could be some really lonely, bumpy days, some dark, dark days for Carolina, for New Orleans. And, and for that matter, I'm not sold on Atlanta. 
I think they're very inconsistent at best. I think Dirk Cutter will do a good job eventually with that Falcons offense. But, uh, you know, defensively, really Philadelphia should have won that game. Nelson Aguilar dropped a bunch of passes. They had opportunities, even um, even Ertz there at the end, if he could have extended that ball for a first down. The Eagles likely go in and score the winning touchdown. So, uh, you know, Atlanta's still sort of feeling their way through it, and it's a big year for their head coach and and trying to preserve his job. So there's just a lot of drama going on. And who would have thought that, you know, the place that might look on the upswing while everybody else is sort of struggling struggling and and scuffing around and worried about their quarterbacks might be right here in Tampa Bay. Now it can change minute to minute, week to week certainly, and we know Jameis has been wildly inconsistent. But if he can put it together uh, and they can continue to play the kind of defense they've played, uh, this might be a team that, come December, is actually competing for a division championship because, like I said, I think those other teams are going to find it hard to really separate and go on any kind of a long winning streak, both because they're playing the NFC West and because of the quarterback injuries that they all have or the ineffectiveness of Cam Newton. So we'll keep a close eye on that. But, uh, boy, speaking of injuries, of course, Ben Roethlisberger also out. Man, I, my man Mike Tomlin, I, I don't know what he did wrong. You know, he got rid of Antonio Brown. He's gotten rid of some of these – these guys that uh, he didn't think he needed, and then all of a sudden Big Ben goes down. Mason Rudolph looked good, but that that's going to destroy the Pittsburgh Steelers, I think, without without Ben Roethlisberger. Yeah, and you have to kind of wonder about his career. I mean, you know, you he, do. he's talked about retirement in the past. He did, and and now he's you know having elbow surgery, and and he's not mm-hmm. you know he's not young and young for a quarterback. Well, I mean, I guess he's middle age maybe for a quarterback because he's not Brady and Breeze age, but sure. But you have to wonder about his career there, and you know he's yeah. he's you know, Pittsburgh has dominated that division as long as he's been that quarterback. I mean, you know, Baltimore's had a couple years there, but Pittsburgh's been the class of that division, and they're now they're zero and two, and they don't have their quarterback for the season. Yeah, that's a tough one, and I don't know. You know, they've they've traded away or or you know gotten rid of some very good players because of the headaches that they caused, and um, you know, all of a sudden you look around and you go, Hey man, who are you without these guys just a year later? Right. Without Antonio Brown, without Ben Roethlisberger. I mean, it's tough. Uh, and I think it'll stay that way in that division. Baltimore looks like they're, you know, going to run the table and Lamar Jackson's the MVP, uh, of September. So that's going to be a, a, a difficult division to win without Ben Roethlisberger or to make the playoffs to say the least. Diana Neros joins us now, and the Lightning opened the preseason tonight at home against Carolina. It seems that it wasn't too long ago, although I know it was, that we saw the Lightning on the ice, and they were swept four games by the Blue Jackets after that historic regular season. They tied with 62 wins. What are they saying about last year? It's got to be on their minds a little bit, and, and how does that, if any way, impact sort of their approach to this season? Well, uh, a lot of different versions of you can never get over it, but you have to put it behind you. Um, Mm. Everyone said it in a different way, but basically this is something, you know, you can't just forget. It it stung. And uh, actually, um, Victor Hedman said something back during the regular season that uh, he doesn't think he'll – ever really lose the sting of having lost in the final in 2015, maybe until he wins the cup himself. And uh, Jeff Vinnick actually cited that comment the other day and saying, you know, this isn't a loss that they're ever really going to get over. They just kind of have to move on from it. Um, I think they're all kind of ready to be done talking about last year. 
because mm-hmm. as uh, I think it was Cooper said, John Cooper said, you can't change it at this point. You just learn from it and don't let it happen again. Um, it's definitely the, the ghost that hangs over this whole season is knowing how great last season went and how poorly it ended. Right, and yet the focus still has to remain on the regular season. You can't jump to the playoffs. You have to earn your way there. So in a weird way, you know, everybody goes back down to the mountain and and really last year doesn't matter until you get back to that point again, right? Right, and that's one thing that uh, Stephen Samco said, that in one hand the regular season doesn't matter at all, and in the other hand it's all that matters. <laughs> so yeah, exactly. um, it's, it's, it's finding the balance in that, and you can only – win the play in the playoffs if you mm-hmm. get to the playoffs and you know it's it's a weird scenario because the lightning were the favorite to win the cup this year as yeah. soon as st louis won the cup last year so exactly. you know the clock didn't really affect their their uh betting prognosis i guess but mm-hmm. it, it, there's a little little bit of skepticism there now and um you know, it's it's going to loom because it there's nothing you can do until you can get back to the playoffs. But you can't you can't win a playoff game in September, so you kind of just have to play it out until you get there. Absolutely, and they enter uh, this preseason still with uh, one thing at least unsettled, and that is restricted free agent Braden Point still hasn't signed, as some of the other restricted free agents have, like Mitch Marner and Charlie McAvoy. So. What is the latest as we as we talk, uh, you know, today about about Braden Point and where his situation stands? Well, the latest is that we don't really know. Um, right. We know that the Lightning made an offer, a three-year, five point seven million per year offer, um, which is in keeping with the Lightning's typical how they've done things. They do bridge deals, and that would be a higher bridge deal than they have. Um, done in the past, but the market doesn't really support that at this point. You look at what other players are signing, and maybe not necessarily Mitch Marner's six years, eleven million, because I don't think anybody ever thought Point was going to get eleven million. Um, but you know, so that's kind of the outlier. But you look at other players signing in the fives and looking at where those mm. players compare to Point. And Point's a much better player than most of, you know, those other... Marner's the only of the major RFAs to have signed. The other ones are very good, but maybe, you know, Zach Wierenski, Charlie McAvoy, very good, but different. They're defensemen, um, so different than Point. You know, Point's other comparables would be uh, Colorado's Nico Rantanen and uh, Winnipeg's Patrick Lane who are, you know, the same kind of high-power forwards like him, and neither of them has signed signed either. So there's definitely still some freeze in this market. It's just a different kind of market. It's similar to 2016 when um, Nikita Kucherov held out, and there were some other RFAs in a similar situation, but not to the same extent. So there, there's... There's not really a, well, look at when it happened to this time previously. And the market has changed so much in the past, just the three years from then to now, in how bridge deals are handled so differently. And so, every, you know, the top tier, very top tier restricted free agents 
has moved away from the bridge deals, which would be a three-year deal just to get you to the um, unrestricted free agency. If you look at like Marner gave up a couple years of his UFA, um, a couple seasons of his UFA years, which would be his higher earning years mm-hmm. um, in order to get the $11 million. You, you had to go longer term. So there's, there's a compromise that has to be had there that if you know, points camp wants X dollars, they're going to have to give up something on the term of the contract or something to that effect. And so um, the deal has to be done by December in order for point to play this season. Um, I still feel my gut says that they'll get it done before the season starts. Um, I just point obviously wants to play players want to play and the team wants him playing. So my gut still says they get something done by the season, by the time the season starts, but, but they got to make some moves to make that happen. So what kind of moves are, are, would they have to make clear salary cap space? Oh, sorry, they have to make some moves within their negotiation. I'm Sandra and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for, but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Gotcha. Um, okay. Yeah. I think they clear, have yeah. the salary cap space they're going to have, um, which is a little mm. over $8 million. Um, gotcha. So now it's a matter of making moves within their negotiations. Uh, sure. Kind of a poor choice of words there. No, I, no, I understand. I just want to be clear. Um, they've cleared the salary cap room, so they do they do have the money. It's a matter of value now, and, and, and that's what negotiations are for. I think you're right. There seems to be a general sense that both the, you know, the player, Braden Point, and the Lightning want to come to a, to an agreement, and so generally that, that usually happens when you have two willing parties like that. But sometimes you know, it takes time. I did want to ask you about some of the new additions in the meantime that they have added, and some of these are, are pretty interesting, I think. Because every team is different, right? These are not the same exact group of guys that uh, that managed to, you know, win those games uh, last year and then lose in four, four games in the playoffs. So let's start with uh, Kevin Shattenkirk, who um, is, is a player they, they tried to deal uh, for a few years ago um, when he was in St. Louis, right? Right, yeah. They've had an eye on Shattenkirk for a few years now. Um, they really like what he brings in terms of experience of, uh, both Cooper and Julian Brisebois have cited his big game experience, even outside of the NHL in um, international competition. And, you know, he's not that old, but has a lot of games under his belt. He was uh, one of the better offensive defensemen for years. He's dealt with injuries in the past few years and kind of fell off. And now he's in a position where the Lightning and Shattenkirk are both hoping He's playing a little bit to prove something. Uh, the Rangers bought out his contract. He didn't perform the way he wanted to. He said he was mad at himself and how the situation came out for how he, you know, his short tenure in New York. And now he wants to prove something. And it's always good to have a guy on your team who wants to prove something. And he's got a whole team that wants to prove something. So uh, he wants to prove something different, but he's got something in common with all his new teammates now. 
The interesting does, thing there it? will be where they play him, um, since he has history as a top pairing. But mm-hmm. the Lightning have you know Mikhail Sergachev coming, who's been coming up in the past few years, and they're pairing him with Hedman, and the skating that both. Mikhail Sergachev and Victor Hedman have um, make that a very interesting pairing. So it'll be interesting to see how that shakes out. Luke Shen comes uh, over as well to the Lightning, and uh, I guess uh, just another uh, defenseman with a with a right-handed shot. I guess right. Right. This was uh, him and Shattenkirk. Um, the the Lightning. You know, all teams like to have balance on your left and your right-handed defenseman. Um, the Lightning kind of emphasized that a little more than some. So that was, they've got some good balance there that they like. Um, and again, he's a younger, cheaper defenseman than um, Anton Strahlman and Dan Girardi, uh, both of which, both of whom have left the organization. So he's younger and cheaper than them, but still has experience under his belt. And he's again, somebody um, he, uh, in the past couple of years, has been back and forth in the AHL and kind of looking to prove himself again. So he was a one year low, low salary contract for somebody who's kind of trying to, again, make a statement and add something on the right side or sorry, it was a right shot um, for the lightning. Diana, you know, the one thing that uh, was missing from the lightning a year ago, and it seems like every Stanley Cup final team or championship team has this as somebody who's been there, right? Somebody who has won the cup before. Um, so they get Pat Maroon, and, you know, he obviously won with uh, St. Louis a year ago. Uh, a bigger body guy, um, you know, at 6'3", 225 pounds. So in addition to his size, how much how much does that experience count for? I mean, I think he's talked about it as something that would be would be also an asset to this team. Yeah, uh, he, Cooper, Samkos, Headman, I think they've all mentioned it, that mm-hmm. um, he brings, he knows exactly what it took. And, you know, not that the Lightning have a lot of players who have come close, but there's just something a little different about having been there. Um, it also, not breaking news here by any means, but it says good things when somebody who has just won the Cup yeah. says he wants to win another Cup, and this is the organization he chooses for his best shot to do so. Um, mm-hmm. You know, everyone knows the Lightning has a lot of skill, so that's not exactly uh, shocking. Yeah. But, you know, it's just a, a good sign. Um, I actually, it was a little amusing, um, at the uh, media day the other day um, during his scrum, Maroon pointed out that he doesn't look like what we're all used to seeing standing in front of that backdrop with that big <laughs> body you mentioned. He's the uh, biggest forward they have now by two inches and 24 pounds, I think, according to the roster. Um, so he does, he brings that size and he has good hands. It's not like he's, you know, the big body of old. He's, he's got hands and he, you know, says he slows things down a little bit, which sounds counter to the lightning's pace, but it's not that he can't keep up. It's that he plays a different lower and low in front of the net, big body kind of game, which you're right, the Lightning hasn't necessarily had. So um, that could definitely be bringing something. I like the addition of Pat Maroon. Again, low risk, high potential reward. I I like that addition to this team. I think, what, $900,000 or something like that 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 he's playing for. Yeah, exactly. 
So the Lightning have three goaltenders. We know the best in the NHL is Andre Vasilevsky. They also still have Louis Domingue and now uh, Curtis McElhaney. So how, how does this all shake out? How, how What will decide uh, who they keep? Well, Breezeball said from the beginning that McElhaney is going to be the backup. Um, his hope was to find Domingue a new organization, which would mean a trade. Um, mm-hmm. And he said he had heard from a team – Thursday morning. Um, we haven't heard anything since then, so it doesn't seem like a trade came out of that. Um, he said that the plan right now is to send Domingue and Mike Condon, who's another uh, goalie they add in the offseason, to the AHL, put them on waivers and send them to the AHL. Uh, they are actually skating on their own, not with the team, to avoid injury so that they can be put on waivers and sent down. But, yeah, there's there's a backlog of goalies right now, and it's a weird situation for Deming, who, you know, really broke out and showed something last year. He stepped in when Vasilevsky was hurt and played really well and now finds himself kind of stuck without a team and potentially sent to the minors after having his best season in years. And uh, it, it's, it's a little bit of a weird dynamic. Um, yeah. Strange that a market didn't develop for him, but I guess, you know, one still could if there's an injury or something that, that occurs before the start of the season, right? Yeah, something definitely could. Um, goalie market is just a little weird because you have two, three goalies mm-hmm. in your system. You don't, you know, it's it's not like, oh, we could always use another defenseman. Um, sure. You know, you kind of have your goalies, you have them under contract, so unless you're going to, cut one of your goalies you don't necessarily need another one so the goalie market is just is a little weird that way um because there's specifically two per team three per organization when you consider having one in the ahl that you can call up you know that's a harder cap um than you see in any other position so a year ago it seemed as if every player that the Lightning brought up from the minors, uh, you know, helped them and helped them in a big way. In some instances, um, rookies certainly uh, were, were part of their success. So this year, um, who are the rookies you're looking at that could potentially, if not the start of the season or somewhere during the season, impact their team? Well, uh, there's at least one spot at forward um, among the forwards, possibly more, and um, definitely some um, interesting competition for that spot. There's Corey Conacher, who isn't a rookie. He has played in the NHL, has played a lot of games in the NHL, but got bumped down last year by the numbers game. And so he's back in the mix looking back to you know get that spot back on the roster. Um, there's Carter Vergehi, who uh, was in the ECHL a couple years ago, and then last year was the leading scorer in all of the AHL. Um, and then there's Alex Barboulet, who was the CHL player of the year in the minors two years ago and was the AHL rookie of the year last year. He tied Vergehi, and the two of them led the AHL in goals last year. Um, there's, there's Mitchell Stevens, who was hurt most of last year, so um, his stats, didn't look like anything special last year. His stats the year before were very promising and now he's fully healthy. And, um, you know, they've got, it's the lightning. Of course they have some interesting prospects. 
Uh, we'd be hmm. more surprised if there weren't. So there's definitely some competition there. There's also Cal Foot, who at defenseman probably isn't in a position to make the roster out of camp be just those lack of availability. They've got eight defensemen on NHL contracts, but he's somebody who is definitely um, worth keeping an eye on. He's somebody who could be this year's Eric Turnack um, or, you know, something to that effect where there was injuries and Turnack got a chance and he ended up staying and that's, not the usual, no idea what would happen um, if Foot got a chance, but, you know, can't guarantee it's the same kind of wonder story, but he would be the one who, you know, if there's injuries, if there's changes, he uh, could get that look and would be interesting to see what he does. But right now there's a numbers game. There's not, not a spot for him on this roster. You mentioned those, uh, Eric, Eric Cernak, obviously, and, and then, you you know, you have Matthew Joseph. I mean, two guys that, did unbelievable things as, as young players a year ago. So what's what's sort of the next level for them? In other words, we, we saw them produce, at, you know, uh, right off the bat and, and earn places on this team. Where do you think they go this season? Well, anyone in his second year always says there's a huge difference in that first off season, And you've come out of a year where you learned what the NHL is about, what's expected. And, yeah, you figured that out during the season, but you couldn't adapt to a change, you know, you just went from day to day. So you've now had an mm-hmm. off season where you trained, maybe you trained differently. Maybe you, you know, address different things. Maybe it's just a comfort level, a confidence level, but you know, that sets you up differently. Having just the confidence of knowing, you know, you've made this team doesn't mean something couldn't change, but you know, you come into camp feeling differently when it's a, I was on this team last year versus the, I'm, still hoping to maybe get a shot at the team this year. Uh, So that mental aspect makes such a role of difference. Um, Can definitely tell Chernak is um, a little, looks a little stronger, just looks a little sharper. Uh, Joseph, I don't think he could, he was already pretty speedy, but again, you know, just looks like uh, it was a good off season for them. Um, Actually, that pretty much applies to most of the team. As Cooper said, the one, Fairly sort of kind of silver lining of the long off season is uh, guys have come back in very good shape, ready to go, which he said is not always been the case after some shorter off seasons. So uh, it's, it's, it's silvers might be a strong word. I think I wrote that I would maybe it's the tin lining rather than silver, but it, it's there. <laughs> it's got a little bit of shine to it somewhere. <laughs> Sure does, and and uh, they did too, as as we all know. Last year, okay, um, you know, one of the things that was obvious in the postseason, and maybe this had a bigger impact in the sweep than um, than people even realize, and that is that Victor Hedman just really wasn't himself in the playoffs. He clearly uh, nobody's a hundred percent, but um, he was well below that, uh, to say the very least. So, how does he feel? What how's he skating? Was he what, what are you hearing from Victor Hedman right now? He looks good. He says he feels good. He actually, um, on the NHL Global Media Tour, that is an official name that I didn't land, but it's something like that, <laughs> um, back in Sweden, a couple weeks before the season, um, before the training camp even started, he said he felt 100%. If he hadn't, he would have been spending the summer in Tampa with the, with doctors, you know, addressing anything that needed to be addressed, but he felt um, that he was at 100% and had had a great off season, um, exactly the off season he wanted to have 
Um, so it wasn't like he spent half of his off season recovering and then started training. He said, uh, it's been kind of his usual kind of off season that he would have his normal training routine and he feels great now. So, um, hopefully it stays that way, but he's looked strong, um, like Victor Hedman through the first few days of camp here. And the lightning have a trip to Sweden this year, right? Yes, they do on uh, November and they will be playing a doubleheader against Buffalo uh, and Stockholm on November 7th and 8th, if I remember the dates correctly, um, which will be a really exciting trip. I know Victor said last year that he was really looking forward to bringing his whole team home. A couple of the other European players have said that even though they are not Swedish, this is a lot closer to home for them. A couple-hour flight mm-hmm. gives them a, families a chance to come see them versus the you know production of crossing the Atlantic to come to Tampa to see them play. So it's an opportunity even for the, the non-Swedes on the team. A great chance for the Lightning to show what they have over in Europe as well. Um, obviously, the defense is going to look different without Dan Girardi, without Anton Strollman. You think just uh, Shattenkirk and, and Jan Ruda and, and Shen just kind of figure to slide right in there? Or? Yeah, um, I think, well, John Cooper doesn't ask what I think, but I think if you put Sergeyev <laughs> well, we with Hedman. We care. <laughs> <laughs> I think Sergeyev with Hedman just makes a lot of sense. Um, I yeah, think your top yeah. four becomes Hedman, Sergeyev, and you leave Cernak, McDonough, because why change what worked really well last year with the two of them? Um, Then your third pair there, I'm not sure exactly what that looks like. Probably some could end up rotating some like it did last year. Coburn, you know, he looked good last year in that role. There's no reason to think he wouldn't be there. I think maybe Coburn and Schottenkirk become your regular two. Maybe there's some rotating. Um, You know, the Breezeball has said that they would be comfortable carrying eight defensemen, which last year they carried seven and had you know, two extra forwards instead of one. So it could be a different look this year with eight defensemen. And then what do you, how do you, you know, manage them and getting them ice time and playing time? And then, of course, there's always the injury bug and who knows when or how that might hit. So my. I would say if you Hedman, Sergachev, Sarnak, McDonough, and Coburn, Shotkirk uh, would be a really solid three pairs, and then um, you know kind of rotate in from there. That's a strong six for sure. Um, you can match that up with any team, I think, in the NHL. All right, the one guy we haven't talked about is the most valuable player of the league, Nikita Kucherov. Um, look, he hit a point total that the NHL has not seen in more than 20 years. What does he do for an encore? I mean, is this guy capable of topping that or, or, you know, I'm sure he's working on other things to improve his all around game. Uh, What do you think is, is sort of left for, uh, for Kucherov uh, other than accomplishing what they all want to accomplish, which is more postseason success. Well, he, uh, here's how you sum up Nikita Kucherov's that look on this season from a personal perspective. He was asked, how do you top a, how do you follow up an MVP season? And he said, you get better. Uh, are mm. there, what do you want to get better at? He said everything. Mm. Um, and that's pretty much how Nikita Kucherov views his game. He, if he's not getting better constantly, he's failing. And, you know, you say a lot about athletes being their own worst critics and, uh, he takes that to an extreme. Uh, you can interview him after a game in which he's had, 
you know, a goal and two assists, but if he thinks he missed something else, he's just as crabby as if he did nothing and they lost. So, um, or, you know, has just as critical of himself. And so that's, uh, he says he's going to, he wants to be better this year. He wants to do everything he does better than he did last year. Uh, if he can do everything he does better than he did last year, that will be amazing to watch. But he's gotten better every year so far. So if anyone can do it, maybe it's him. The Tampa Bay Lightning begin their preseason. Hard to believe, but it is tonight against Carolina. And I don't care what happened last year. We know there are so many Lightning fans are going to hang on every single game and every single word that Diana Neros writes for the Tampa Bay Times. She does a terrific job covering the Lightning, and she will do that again all this year for as far as they go. Uh, and for Lightning fans, let's hope it's uh, certainly farther in, into the playoffs and maybe, who knows, a Stanley Cup. Thanks so much, Diana. We appreciate your time as always. Thanks for having me. Uh, it's going to be great to have the Lightning back and have Diana back with us, of course, during the season uh, updating you here on this podcast. The Lightning have four preseason games this week, and it all starts tonight with their game against Carolina at home. The Tampa Bay Rays begin a series against the Dodgers in Los Angeles. How about this? Blake Snell, remember him, the former Cy Young Award winner? I guess he still is the defending Cy Young Award winner. He will start. He will be the opener to this game, probably go a couple innings, and so it would be great to have Blake back and uh, just imagine if they can build his innings up. And, of course, Tyler Glass now. uh, They could have something special by the time they get to the postseason if they're able to hang on. The Bucs are back at practice today. Uh, they rejoin uh, the season in first place now, tied with, uh, of course, the Saints and Atlanta at 1-1 one one in the NFC South. Also, we're going to have uh, tomorrow my good friend Chris Torello of Spectrum Sports 360. He's going to join us, along with Mike Francesa, who will probably preview the Giants' debut of maybe rookie quarterback Daniel Jones. How about that? Oh, jeez. I can't wait to hear from Chris Torello and, of course, Mike Francesa is the best. So, hey, we're here each and every Monday through Friday on Sports Day Tampa Bay. Thank you for listening. For Steve Bursnick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.